back to another episode of Your Words Against Mine, a competitive reading podcast between siblings. I'm your sister co-host, Elizabeth Connor. I'm the other co-host, Thomas Dempsey. And welcome back. Yes, uh, welcome. Yes, we're doing these. We've sort of slipped late into the week. I don't know if we'll try and bump it back to the weekend like we were doing, but this is just sort of how things have fallen. Yeah, we've had a busy couple weeks, to be fair. Sure. Yeah. 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 Uh, my yeah, my weeks uh, are looking to get a little less busy, but mm-hmm. uh, we can talk about that a little later. Uh, in the meanwhile, uh, what you been up to? So, school has started back. That's right. I've had my week of professional development, and now the kids are back at school. Um, That's cool. My schedules are, my school district's on a modified year-round schedule. That's why we're starting so early. Uh, right. But that means we get a vacation in October and then all of our normal breaks and a vacation in February. So. That sounds good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've had a good start to my school year. I've been exhausted. Oh, yeah. But I've had a good start to my school year. I'm happy to hear it, and I'm sure you, you know, just sort of getting into the swing of things. Yeah, that's that's what it is. When you go from having done basically nothing for eight weeks to having to be engaged for six to eight hours a day. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my my work's been about normal. Uh. As far as events and what have you, we've had a couple of birthdays up this way. Yeah. Uh, our parents have their birthdays one week apart from each other, so these past couple weekends have been uh, mom and dad's, re- or dad and mom's respectively. Mm-hmm. And we had a birthday down this way because Andrew shares a birthday with mom. Yeah. So it's just cake flying every which way. That's right. Yep. And we've been uh, just doing stuff hither and there. We'll be. Um, I'm sure really sort of cutting loose once we can get the whole family together. Oh, yeah. But uh, for the time being, we're just enjoying our, uh, enjoying the occasion. Mm-hmm. And uh, like I said before, things have been going pretty normal for me, though they might not uh, so much in the near future. Since this past Monday, I gave notice at the sandwich shop I've been working at for the place six plus years Woohoo. well strictly speaking i've been working for them on and off over the past decade yeah uh with various like uh like stints and absences and what have you but really for the past six years there i've been working uh sort of full-time slash full-time or yeah ha- part-time slash full-time yeah so yeah uh I've been I've enjoyed my time there. I've appreciated the people I've been working with, but feel like it's finally time to move on. Yeah. And uh, who's to say what will come of things on the podcasting front? But I just know for the immediate future that uh, there's certainly a lot of things I've been meaning to get around to doing that hopefully this will free me up for. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's uh. Still remains to be seen, and we'll be keeping everybody updated with our situation. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, in the meantime, uh, you got any 
you want to start talking books or you got anything else you want to get into uh oh wow goodness <laughs> yeah sorry i guess that was just a really long awkward pause yeah no that was just a long pause because it's one of those things that it's like i'm not as tired as i was yesterday but i'm still really tired so like thinking is okay well how yeah. about we just uh power on into the book discourse okay thing? okay all right do you want to save the challenge for the back half yes okay so what other reading you've been up to so, as you guys have probably noticed over the last couple episodes, I just, I don't know, like, I've hit, I guess, some reading fatigue, or, anyway, my my interest, or, like, my, not my interest, but I guess my attention's just been divided, so I haven't been really reading as much um, okay. outside of the challenge. Well, I finally found a series to kind of, like, get me back into the habit. Um, That's nice. So, it's a... F- I think as of this moment, it is a five-book series, and I've read the first four books. Okay. So, it is the Clicanian series by Victoria Aveline, All or right. Aveline. Um, and basically, and, and the four books that I've read in this series are Choosing Theo, Saving Varako, Tempting Alzed, and I don't know, there's one more, and I can't find the picture of it, but the ones that I just mentioned, that is the first, third, and fourth book of the series, and then I can't so remember... the second the... one was just especially unmemorable? Well, no, I just, I always take a screenshot or a picture of the cover of the books I read, that way I can just, like, go through my pictures and like find them and i must have forgotten to take a screenshot of that particular one okay so like i remember what it was about i just don't remember the exact title all right well uh what's the uh overall uh Um, rest of the series so the overall so the overall gist is it is a it is a aliens humans soulmate love trope um, so basically, like, you have the planet of Clicania, and you have the people of Clicanians, and, you know, very similarly to Earth, there are different races among the Clicanians. Um, okay. And so they, you know, they all inhabit the planet of Clicania. Well, uh, centuries beforehand, um, a virus swept across the planet, and basically decimated their population um it killed i can't remember the exact numbers but it was something like the virus took out like 30 percent of the males and like 70 75 percent of their females wow okay so and then also the virus did something to their genetics to where any or to where the vast majority of children that are born to the Clicanians are male. So basically the the like the like females of Clicani Clicanian females are in very high demand um and they've had to like restructure their whole society around dealing with this population problem. All right. So one of the ways, or so the biggest way that they do that is every single race of 
people or every single race of Clicanians has like slightly different ways of doing this, but for the most part, uh, all of the males are sent to husbandry school okay. when they hit like 17 years old. Yep. And that's just, and that's a school where they learn how to be good husbands. Okay. And the girls go to a different school where actually the women are taught like emotional professionalism because uh, the way that so married, have... go ahead. We've been talking about this alien planet now. Uh, are, are humans at all involved? Yeah. Humans are involved. I have to provide the backstory. Do you? Do you really? Yeah, I do. I'm almost done. Okay. If you hadn't interrupted me, it was going to take like two more minutes. Two more f- minutes? <laughs> I think... Okay, go. <laughs> so the way that marriages work is women will enter into marriage contracts with males by first selecting a male of their choice because there's like a whole trial thing that happens. And then the marriage contract is only good for three months. Okay. So, after three months, the female can either choose to extend her marriage or she can, like, she can move on to the next husband. Sure. Um, so, alright, so then the humans get there, and because they are, of course, abducted right. by, you know, slaver, like, alien slavers, and okay. they show up on this planet, and... The first human from the first book, Choosing Theo, her name is Jade. She is discovered by, like, the government of Tremanta, which is the main city in the series. And so they're like, okay, you have to, you have to basically get married. Okay. You have to stay on the planet for a year and you have to be married. So anyway, she ends up choosing Theo, hence the title of the book. And they actually do, like... Turns out she's his soulmate. They fall in love with each other. Da 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 da. And then each okay. book in the series is a different pairing of a human and a Clicanian. Okay. I Did just looked. Say, I just looked at the timer. I'm that sorry. was less than two minutes. Yeah, I get. I I, I know. I know. It felt longer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean to be a dick, but honestly. I feel like after a certain point, it's just like, it's just like place and person names getting shuffled around. Yeah. Because like, isn't this the exact same thing as those ice giants? Kind of. Kind of. Okay. But the difference between this and the ice giants books, these, this book takes place in a much more, um urban setting and more developed setting and then also this book or this series takes more time to examine the issue of human women can like like can reproduce with clicanian males which therefore means that which kind of turns human women into a commodity Okay. So, and and so you've got this, like, this tension between, no, these are people, 
who have like rights and thoughts and opinions but then you've also got this issue of they are the key to us saving our species or saving our planet so it's this it's this tension between like we want to give you your rights but at the same time we need you and it's very very tempting to like make you a commodity okay i i really I, i'm sorry i just <laughs> i'm not even averse to these kinds of stories but i feel like after a while it's like if you were just reciting the plots of different Hallmark movies to me. I have no problem with Hallmark movies. I've enjoyed some that I've seen, but there's virtually no distinguishing like the vast majority of them. And after a time, you're just like, I'm pretty sure I've watched this already. Oh... Uh, I'm I'm sorry to be uh, not the most... I'm sorry to just be flipping about it. Well, no, I mean, and that does bring up a point of, like, I guess why these types of books are so popular, especially now um, with the, you know, with the advent of, like, book talk. Um, Because, as you obviously have noticed... Uh, and as I'm sure our listeners have noticed, like I do, t- I do tend to read like the the romance novels that I talk about on the show. Like, yeah, a lot of them have extremely similar like plot devices and um, and like world building and stuff like that. And I think one part of the reason why I and so many other people enjoy reading these types of books is just because like it's comforting, like it is predictable. Okay. Um, okay, I can appreciate that. And sometimes if you're just looking to relax or whatever, like, you don't... Like, yeah, um, something that has a lot of twists and turns is really, really engaging, but sometimes if you, like, want to read something without thinking and you want something that's predictable, then you kind of oh. you do kind of fall into what seems like a rut because it's comfortable to be there. Sure. It's just like watching... It's like those people who watch The Office like 30 times. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know about that. Okay, I, I got you. Because, I mean, I'll be the first one to admit that the romance books I read, like, they do... I mean, they get monotonous after a while, but... I haven't been reading lately. I found this series. I've enjoyed this series, so... And it's gotten me back into reading, so... Okay. Uh, all right. Would you say that there's a different sort of uh, style of language between these series that sort of distinguishes them more than, like, just sort of plot or character convention? Um, I mean, I can say... I can say that, like, certain... Even though these series may have similar... They may have similar tropes or they have similar um, plot aspects or world-building aspects... The language, I would say that uh, you that the quality of writing is very different among the different okay. series. So, like the the one like this one, the Clacanian series, I feel like this one is very well written because she is so consistent with her details, and I don't know that I have found, I don't know that I have found disparities in her descriptions of things, which has been a 
which has been like a pet peeve of mine that I've talked about on the show when an author is not consistent in the details among their works. Okay. Like you can't have an engagement ring be a ruby in the first book and then in the second book it's a sapphire. Sure. Well, I don't uh, have anything else to talk about book-wise this week. Uh, Mainly just hunkered down and focused on finishing the book for the challenge. Okay. But uh, I've been getting my manga read chapters in. Bought a took advantage of a manga sale that was going off the other day so uh, hopefully that'll be the last big sort of like expenditure for a little while okay but uh yeah i'm sure i'll be talking more about those in the weeks to come once they arrive uh i I got opted for free shipping so that's like two weeks Mm mm-hmm yeah uh, I can say I'm ready to talk about the challenge if uh, you want to uh, k- get into it after a break. Yeah. All right. So we'll uh, be back in a minute. Was I too mean? No. I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, all right. Uh... Yeah, all right. So I'll bring us back in. Okay. Okay. All right. And we're back from the break, or I might just leave that in because, you know, sort of cleared the air. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. So this week we've got a reading challenge, and Elizabeth, did you want to talk about what it was? So you had us read um, The Wind-Up Bird Chronicle by Haruki Murakami. Murakami, yeah. And this is an author you'd had some experience with before. Well, not really. This is an author that I had wanted to read for a long time. Okay, because I, I had never actually. Of... I remember you getting a couple of his books for Christmas one year. Right. Did I read them? Have you read? No. Okay. Well, I'd be uh, interested in borrowing them in that case. Okay. If you're uh, still got them knocking around. Yeah, they're somewhere around here. I'll have to find them. No, kiddo. But. Uh, this was just a this I think this book was one of the first titles I'd heard about from uh, Murakami mm-hmm. and so it always sort of been the placeholder in my mind for the book I would read if I wanted to get into him mm-hmm. and uh, it was published in well this edition was published in 1997 although I believe the complete book was in published in parts because mm-hmm. obviously it's divided up into three like smaller books right and uh i can't say if uh they were published that way like piecemeal and then collected together into the like final product or not Mm-hmm. but they've definitely got different sort of like structures and focuses to them so yeah you could see it being a series of books rather than just like one singular book Mm-hmm. but uh did you? I don't know. Did you want to try taking a stab at uh, talking about the plot? Okay, so I gotta be honest. I didn't finish this book. Yes. All right. So to be uh, to be uh, to be super super honest, I barely started it. Oh, how how many pages we talking? Like. Okay, I'm less I'm than one hundred and fifty. 
Okay, so you're almost finished with book one, it sounds like. Well, I, okay, so it's less than 150 of, like, the Apple Books version. Okay. Which, according to my phone, has, like, 1,100 pages. Huh. Uh, do you, does he have, like, the chapter number? Yeah, I think I'm on, I think I'm on, wait, what chapter am I on? I want to say I'm on, like, chapter, uh... Five, six. Okay. No, I'm further than that. Uh, I'm on chapter eight. Oh, all I'm right. I'm on chapter eight. Okay. I'm so. Yep. That's so, a Criticana's long story and an inquiry into the nature of pain. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wait. I don't think that's where I am. Oh. Oh, no, that is. That's it. Hey. Okay. Got there. So, because, okay, so, and and to be fair, since our last recording, like, life has just been busy, I've been really tired, these are not excuses, these are just reasons, and then I went to go purchase the book, and, like, normally I purchase my books through Kindle, and, like, it didn't want to download to my phone, and I couldn't get it, so I had to go through Apple Books, and I finally got the book, and then I started reading it, and I... And I do like what I have read so far. So I'm going to continue to read it. Um, But kind of what I thought we would do since I've read so little and you have obviously read the entire thing is I thought we could frame. I thought we could frame it like this. So I want you to talk about this book like you were trying to convince me to buy it. Okay. Well, for one thing, it's thick. And, uh... If you want bang for your buck, there's definitely an angle to be made there. Uh, I don't know. I buy big books. And uh, don't always read them, but I like having them. Uh, And I swear, uh, for our next reading challenge, I'm not going to recommend we read something... I feel like... Okay, this book was... My edition is 600 pages, almost on the dot. Mm-hmm. Uh, break, uh, barring like page breaks and stuff, it's actually more closer to like 135. Yeah. But because uh, especially in the later half of the book, the chapters get much shorter. Uh huh. And a lot well, of them shoot tend at the beginning, they're like, pretty short to begin with. I don't know. The first chapter was like 30 pages, but then afterwards, I guess they do sort of shorten up. So. Oh okay. It yeah. didn't feel like 30 pages. Yeah. I, I feel like that's actually what uh, had me bounce off the book initially when I tried reading it uh, a year or two ago. Uh-huh. It was the first chapter just sort of being a little slow-paced and not really being able to get into the rhythm of it. Okay. But, uh, yeah. So, anyway, um, if, you're av- not av- if you're not averse to big books, that's certainly uh, something to mention. But if it is a little imposing, then I think maybe frame it more as like three individual books mm-hmm. uh, might be uh, preferable and even even that's interesting I'm not sure how much I would characterize this as a series of books because I'd almost be interested to see what the experience of reading them out of order would be like because okay. each one is not entirely standalone like a fair bit is like referenced between like parts 
one and two and two and three and etc. But uh, I feel like there's enough context that you're capable of intuiting certain like character dynamics and relationships and what have you mm-hmm. from uh, like part to part. So really, if you just wanted to try your hand at any one of them, I feel like you'd get a pretty decent experience from it. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, obviously, uh, it starts off pretty, um, pretty innocuous enough. You got this uh, young married couple living in suburban Tokyo. Yeah, the wife is works at a publishing firm. The husband uh, was previously kind of the gopher at this law office, and he's quit his job. Not saying that had any uh, influence on me to do what I did. I'm not going to lie, uh, like that, I did think about that. Yeah. So the book starts with him, like, having quit his job as a gopher, basically just out of, like, I guess mid or quarter life crisis on Wii. And uh, he's just kind of become a stay-at-home husband. He cares for the house. He cooks the meals. He runs errands and what have you. So uh, as the as their for early part of the book sort of progresses, you learn more about the history of their relationship, uh, their wife's family in particular being a sort of oppressive presence in the couple's life. Uh, you learn that they had a cat who ran away. Uh, and with the, like at the opening of the book, the cat is gone, so... Uh, part of the like animating force of the husband character is to like try his hand at tracking the cat down especially for the purpose of his wife who really seems sort of beaten up about it mm-hmm. and uh, and then there's also like a uh, air of like potential infidelity over things like not to give too much away from later parts of the books but the husband had an encounter with a co-worker that didn't fully verge into infidelity but was sort of viewed as a betrayal by the wife and uh, sort of was like sort of sets the tone for like basically uh, trouble in paradise mm-hmm. and then and then uh, well I guess I can go ahead and give this element away at the start of the second book uh, in this little trilogy the wife has disappeared like she went to work one morning and then she just never came home and the much of the rest of the book uh, part two and three is about the husband trying to get back in touch with her mm-hmm. and the, there's various forces that conspire against him and various people he meets that seemingly help him along his way or take him down interesting avenues uh, and then you learn about their histories and sort of the things that have brought them together and the whole book sort of coalesces into this kind of historical framework where like basically the early uh, 20th century Japan and like wartime Japan especially Mm -hmm. sort of like has these lingering uh, impacts that have like almost like psychic uh, ramifications on people in the present or in the present of the book because it's set in 1984 mm-hmm. which I found interesting uh, did you pick up on the periodness of it at all uh, not so no not really but I did think like his conversations with Malta and Kreta Kreta right. Kreta yeah Krita? like that like Crete 
Um, so his conversations with Malta and Krita, uh, to me, kind of clued me in that maybe that this was not like a modern book. Sure. Because like they talk about things from you know he talks about like Krita looking like she came out of the sixties, and Malta talks about events that happened in the seventies. Um, but like, so but I don't know. I guess like to me in my brain like the like the 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 characters are older. Sure. So I don't even think, though like, yeah. So I don't like I didn't necessarily picture like eighty four, but maybe more like the nineties. Yeah, and then that would make sense for when the book was published. But uh, I feel like a big part of it for me was just the lack of connection that these people seem to have, because mm -hmm. uh, like you you get uh, scenes of I guess characters listening to the radio or maybe reading a newspaper, but there's no internet. There's certainly no cell phones, and. Uh, like so much of this uh the ambiance of this book seems to be about isolation in the home uh, mm -hmm. especially what with regards to the like the husband character who's uh, like out of work he doesn't have like the office life or any of those social connections anymore mm -hmm. so so much of what the uh the bulk of the book is just sort of his sort of interior running monologue or perspective mm -hmm. of things so uh yeah that's that's sort of what struck me uh that detail about it and uh yeah as it goes on i think it definitely you sort of take the time and place more into consideration with regards to uh like the like way that events play out Mm-hmm. Especially if you've, uh, I don't know, I've seen a good number of movies set in Japan uh, in various decades, so I have a sense of, like, what, like, certain kinds of towns or certain kind of uh, urban areas looked like or at least were depicted as. So I have that to draw on when I'm, like, constructing it in my head. Mm-hmm. In the back of the book, there's a reference guide for... A bunch of like historical resources that the author cited or researched mm -hmm. while um, uh, composing the book especially there's certain flashbacks to uh, like World War two era especially mm -hmm. the uh, Chinese front obviously where Japan was waging the war in Mongolia you have one character introduced who's like a uh, veteran of that war and who has been like had lingering traumas that he's been wrestling with and he recounts his story mm -hmm. uh, to the main character and that comprises a good portion of the book and then there's a later character introduced in part three whose uh, origin story also has a connection with the the war in, uh, with the Japanese war in China so that's it's definitely a pri like a primary theme is this um uh Jap Japan's relationship to World War 2 mm -hmm. and that's i think heightened by the fact that one of the characters is kind of a an aspiring nationalist politician uh, yeah. you, you've read some about uh the Kumiko's brother right mm -hmm. yeah uh just not it's not much of a spoiler to say that he basically becomes the villain of the book 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Kumiko's brother being this um, sort of intellectual pundit, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure you can fill in the blank for like a modern day equivalent. Uh, yeah. But yeah, basically he's like making the rounds on cable news and what have you. And then he uh, has an opportunity to run for, I guess, what is basically the equivalent of the House of Representatives. Mm-hmm. And sort of becomes this more and more uh, culturally present uh, political figure. Mm-hmm. And then his uh, machinations and stuff sort of come to influence a good deal of like the main character's uh, struggles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this one passage from the book that really stuck, struck me with regards to his character. I'm not sure if you... Yeah, you, you probably got to it. Um, you mind if I just read it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. Alright, so this is regards to the the brother named Noburo Wataya. He's the brother of Kumiko, who is the main character's wife. Mm-hmm. The book descri- uh, the author, dis- or the narrator, I guess, describes him as thus. If you paid close attention to what he was saying or what he had written, you knew that his words lacked consistency. They reflected no single worldview based on profound conviction. His was a world that was that he had fabricated by combining several one-dimensional systems of thought. He could rearrange the combinations in an instant as needed. These were ingenious, even artistic, intellectual permutations and combinations. But to me, they amounted to nothing more than a game. They were... If there was any con- consistency to his opinions, it was the consistent lack of consistency. And if he had a worldview, it was a view that proclaimed his lack of a worldview. But these very absences were what constituted his intellectual assets. Consistency and an established worldview were excess baggage in the intellectual mobile warf- warfare that flamed up in the mass media's tiny time segments, and it was his great advantage to be free of such things. So that's. That's pretty on the nose. Mm-hmm. With regards to, again, certain aspects of, I think, web culture. Yeah. And I think that's maybe an aspect of uh, Haruki Murakami in particular that has sort of resonated in uh, the advent of the internet. Is that he mm-hmm. seems some he seems like somebody who has been particularly like plugged in to mm-hmm. sort of like the alienating elements of. I guess millennial like technological and political developments. Right. Which isn't to say that you necessarily like gotta give it to him on all fronts. Like I think it uh becomes especially apparent even in the early goings that uh it's it's kind of an interesting relationship that the narrator main character and what have you has with the women in his life. Mm-hmm. I think it's I, I, it's definitely got to say something that a book where your central character is a guy and so much of the book is comprised of just his thoughts, his sensory experiences, his approach to various situations, has several prominent uh, women in his life. Pretty much almost every character that he has meaningful interactions with in this these various books are women and I don't know I feel like in certain cases they are well fleshed out but then in other cases you gotta take to task the potential that they're just sort of there to 
serve his own sort of interiority. Mm-hmm. So that's definitely, I think, a criticism I could, come, like, have to grapple with with a book like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you find that a problem uh, with anything that you read so far? Uh, no, not so far. Okay. Well, I mean, in, in the early goings, I feel like there's enough intrigue that it sort of moves along with regards to, like, plot events. Yeah. But suffice it to say that especially in part two, it really slows down in terms of, like, what is tangibly happening. Yeah. And it really becomes more about his uh, headspace. And I don't mm-hmm. want to give too much away, spoiler-wise, okay. but, yeah. But that's just... I, I, didn't, I won't say I didn't enjoy it. Uh, like, obviously, I enjoy, like, books that are written with an, a, uh, an appreciation of, like, interiority and uh, inner monologues of various characters. Like, that was a big thing of what I enjoyed about Manacled. So, uh... But I just I just feel like it's worth noting that that is a particular uh, aspect of the, especially the second book that sort of defines it in relief to the first and the third. Mm-hmm. Whereas the third book, compared to the first two, almost like despite being just about as long as the first two combined, is like yeah. much more eventful and I think fleet in terms of. Uh, its depiction of incident. Yeah. Yeah. So that that was especially, I think, the thing that got me wondering whether or not somebody could just jump right into the third part of this book and probably not have the same like investment in everything that was going on. Certainly not mm-hmm. the same context for like plot elements or character dynamics. But it, it, you almost feel like it'd be easier for most people to just read the third book. Like, as a matter of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's just a little uh, thought I had. Okay. Was there anything in particular you wanted to discuss about what you read? Um, not particularly. Just be- I mean, and I think a big part of that is just because, like, I am so far at the beginning of the book. Sure. Did, I, did, did you think it was weird that they named a cat after her brother? Yeah, that's certainly weird, and they have, like, there's some, like, hand-waving towards, like, the rationale for it. Yeah. But I will say that, ultimately, the characters do sort of come to terms with the fact that that is a weird thing to do. Okay. And, uh, yeah, there is a very interesting sort of reaction to that, that, uh, if you, uh, stay, if you stay with it, then you'll get into it. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I liked it. I gave it like a four out of five. Yeah. I feel like I'm. There's a tendency, especially with longer books, to sort of like really hype them up. Yeah. And I know certainly like plenty of longer books I've read, just sort of the weight of the reading experience in and of itself is almost worth a star. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I'm not sure that this is a book that. Uh, I'd like return to maybe okay. um, maybe if it sits with me for a little while I might get more out of it mm-hmm. but uh, overall I enjoyed reading it and uh, was happy to finally get around to it but uh, okay. I'm, and I'm definitely eager to check out some more of his other stuff yeah because especially because it seems like now 
uh, Murakami is one of those authors whose works are just ripe for adaptation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I'll be I'll be looking into it. Okay. Alrighty. So, uh, do you want to get into word count? Yeah, um, I'll go first because you might need to do some recalculating. Sure. Um, okay, so I read, since our last episode, I read four books um, mm-hmm. for a subtotal of 301000 I almost said $301,000. Oh, my God. 301,458 words, um, which mm-hmm. brings my year-to-date total up to 5,534,074 words, uh, which for the my words against my own words against me challenge puts me at 55% of where I was last year. Okay. And so with the double word score I got from uh, being the only one to finish this week's challenge, uh, I add uh, 216,996 times two to my previous word total, which brings my current word total up to 3,309,933. If I set that against last year's word total, uh, puts me at just about uh, three-fourths of the way towards last year's reading total. Wow. Yeah, I, I, don't, I can't discount the, I think the, I think I've got a lot more bonus words this year than yeah. last year since some of the challenges that I managed to get a double word score on uh, were ones where I had assigned like an especially long book. Right. Like I know it happened with uh, Snow Crash. Yeah. And now this one. So I'm not going to, like I said before, I'm not going to be recommending especially long books uh, for a little bit now. I feel like I've sort of got into a tendency where it just so happened that each book I recommended just wound up being longer than mm-hmm. I was expecting. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's not by that's not by design. So uh, you can take this next reading challenge as a show of good faith in that regard. Okay. Uh, you ready for it? Yep. All right. Well, we've got another w- reading challenge uh, to go. Basically, yeah, no real um, rationale for this one. It's just a book I've been meaning to get around to, and it's not uh, especially long. I think it's in, like, the two to 300 range. And, uh, okay. It occurred to me I didn't actually have the book at, like close at hand, so I couldn't, like, look up the author name or anything. But, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, the, uh, the book we will be reading for next month is Mexican Gothic by Sylvia Moreno-Garcia. Okay. Yeah, and it is a, uh, it's sort of like what the title promises. It's like a horror mystery story mm-hmm. uh, by Mexican-Canadian author Sylvia Gar- Moreno-Garcia. Centers on a young woman investigating her cousin's claims that her husband is trying to murder her. Okay. Yeah. So, that'll be what we read next. It's, uh, I think, gotten a lot of good hype. Yeah. In the publishing circles. Have you heard of it? I think so. Does the cover have like a a lady wearing a red dress on it and you can't see her face? Right, and she's holding like okay. some flowers. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one. Okay. And uh you want to tell the listeners again what um the challenge for next episode is? 
Yeah, so for the next episode, um, we are going, our challenge is to read Garson Kanan's Moviola. So yeah, that that's what we're going to be discussing next week. Or next right, time. Look, yeah, looking forward to it. Yeah. And we thank you all for tuning in. I know this has been a pretty, uh, I won't say uh, contentious episode. <laughs> I feel like we worked it all out. We did. We spoke through our differences. We came out stronger <laughs> as friends and as siblings. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, we thank you for sticking with us. We hope to see you in the next episode. Elizabeth, you want to tell, tell them where they can find us in the meantime? So, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can email us questions, comments, or suggestions to yourwordspodcast at gmail.com. about books again next time yeah and uh as we like to say at the end of each of these episodes goodbye bye goodbye bye